Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Ross. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or wherever I are tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and I'm you guys we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. Thank you for joining us in our series on Historic Missourians, a website hosted and curated by the State Historical Society of Missouri and geared towards students learning about Missouri history for the first time. Today, we're joined by Haley Allen. She holds a bachelor's degree in history from Pittsburgh State University and a master's degree in library and information science from the University of Missouri, Columbia. Presently, she's working on the Congressional Papers Project as an archivist for the State Historical Society of Missouri and joins us today to talk about Dewey Short, a former member of Congress from the state of Missouri, and the subject of her recent biography in Historic Missourian. Welcome to our Missouri, Haley. Thanks. Glad to be here today. Now let's talk a little bit about Dewey Short. You know, how did you find out information about him? You know, where does a lot of the information come from? Well, most of my information actually came from his papers. I'm one of the archivists that processed it. So I spent months, actually probably most of the last year, just delving into his personal papers, you know, his correspondence, his political papers, the kinds of things that people were writing to him about, the kind of work legislatively that he was doing when he was a representative. So I, like I said, most of my information came from that. We also have a a great biography by Bob Wiley that it's only, it's only one volume. He was supposed to write two, but he looked at a portion of Dewey's papers and wrote this biography, so that was a great resource. And, of course, newspapers.com had plenty of articles on Dewey. He was well known for his oratory abilities, and it was something that people liked to write about quite a bit. So most of my information came from, you know, what we would typically use in research purposes. Now, thinking about these resources and certainly the papers, I mean, that has to be kind of the most critical element of his, his personal papers. How was that helpful in a way in kind of becoming familiar with them, obviously, but also to some extent, too, with the processing of that. What what was challenging about that as well? Well, Dewey was interesting because he, it doesn't always matter in time frame necessarily what we view as what's old and what's not, but with Dewey, it made a difference because I don't want to say the government was completely run differently, but it was a different time period. And the way that people approached it was different. And the way they kept records in his personal office was different. You know, this is pre-internet, pre that kind of organizational, you know, ability. So we had just a bunch of papers in a box that wasn't necessarily organized in any form. So we had to go through and figure out what we had. And then we had to figure out how we were going to logically organize this. Is this his personal stuff, you know, like um, his personal correspondence to his friends and family? Was this, you know, work correspondence, you know, things that other legislators were writing to him about? What were constituents writing to him about? So we tried to group the material together. And it was kind of challenging because, like I said, there was no original order, as we archivists like to say. So we had to bring the order together. It was just, it was interesting. It was an interesting time period. And 
that's what made it so interesting is because you would get correspondence from the 40s from people in Missouri talking about how much they loved and or hated Dewey or Truman or FDR, you know, Roosevelt and the other Democrats. It's just that's what was challenging about it. But it was also really, really interesting. Now, obviously, you know, the title the Order of the Ozarks, and kind of implies his origin story in some ways. But we'll talk a little bit about where Dewey Short comes from in Missouri. Where is that youth experience for him? He was born in uh, this little rural town called Galena, Missouri, in the heart of the Ozarks, as we like to say. It's about 30 miles from Branson, not too far from Springfield. Um, He was born in 1898. He was the seventh of 10 children. His father was named Jackson Grant Short, and his mother was named no lie, Permelia Cordelia Long. And so Dewey was just born into this big open family and he learned all about religion and politics and what they meant, what they thought like family values were. You know, he he was a young kid who was very ambitious and he wanted an education. He knew that was his way out. He had some base of intelligence already. He was already, he just came out like with this ability when he would talk, people would listen. And his father knew that. He was like, oh, this, this kid has a gift. So I'm going to send him around, you know, when he was a teenager to various little townships and and he would speak in favor of certain Republican politicians. So he had that ability, and he was getting those skills as a young man. He also started working at a young age. When he was, you know, opened his first checking account at 12, was hauling, he had a pair of jennies and a wagon, and he would go down to the local train station, and he would pick up salesmen, and he would charge them, and they would he would take them back to town. He also had a contract with a local ice company. From the, they would cut ice in the St. James River, and he would haul ice for them. And I think he made like a 10-cent profit every, every haul he did. And he put all of that in the bank and was actually able to pay for most of his first year of college on his own without any help. So, yeah, he graduated in 1915 at the local Galena School, and then he decided that he wanted to go to college at Marionville College, which is in Marionville, Missouri. And he was there till 1917, and then again, he decided he wanted to pursue further education. This is a thing with Dewey. The whole decade of the 20s, until you get to the later part, when he actually jumps into politics, is like this big educational pursuit from this man. And it even involved going overseas. So he he got some experience at like Oxford and Mansfield College in Scotland and even did like six weeks at the University of Berlin. But, you know, he got his BA at Southwestern College in Baldwin, Kansas. And then he decided that he wanted to pursue a degree in theology because he felt the pull of politics just as much as religion. So he went to Boston College and pursued a degree in theology and won a fellow, which is how he went across seas and was able to pursue uh, an education in Europe. So, you know, that time was learning and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. So when he came home in 1926, he took a professorship job. And at the same time as he's teaching psychology and philosophy, he's preaching You know, people are asking him in the correspondence. People are like, Dewey, come talk, come speak. I mean, so many requests for speaking engagements. And he did. He went to a lot of them. 
So when he finally decides in 1928 that he's going to, you know, step in the ring and run for the then 14th district for Missouri, you know, he felt like he was ready. And he had so many, you know, friends and people, like I said, when are you going to run? And he finally decides to do it. So, you know, that's pretty much the beginning story of Dewey Short. Well-traveled, to say to say the least. Uh, some of the photos that you had shared for the Historic Missourians bio- biography, you know, in Germany and England, I mean, certainly someone who's not just growing up in Missouri and then becoming a legislature, someone who is well-versed in a lot of things, certainly. He was. And, you know, he was kind of lucky because he, he not many people, even to this day, to my knowledge, get chances and experiences like that and here he is you know in the early 1920s getting to you know a small town boy from Missouri getting these world experiences and it's interesting because while he was traveling the world and getting all of these degrees and gathering all this information you know he came home with kind of a small-minded isolationist view and it wasn't until Pearl Harbor that he was just like oh okay you know this is kind of an important issue. We need to get involved. Well, certainly when we look at kind of his career, uh, a long-tenured time there in, in the U.S. Congress, talk about some of those ma- major moments from his career. You mentioned speaking and stump speaking for Republicans. Does that kind of Republicanism continue on in his life? It does. We had boxes and boxes of, through his longevity here of people requesting him to speak and I'm talking about Missourian you know high schoolers you know please come speak at our graduation to you know the Lincoln Day dinners and national Republican politics I mean there were several requests and that's just something that never ended even after he was retired from office he still got requests to speak I don't think that he did that many after he retired but I mean he was still you know, sought after. And it was just, he had this ability. And like I said, when he would speak, people would listen. He had this presence, but he also had this like witty, they called it like the silver tongued, the way he would say things. And sometimes the way he would insult you, it was like with this gregacious wittiness and you knew you were being insulted, but it was still kind of fun. It, it, I would, I spent hours reading the congressional record on how he would, you know, he voted no on most, you know, New Deal legislation because he was absolutely opposed to any government funding for most programs. And he would make these impassioned speeches on the floor of Congress. And he would talk about, you know, he was against this bill for, you know, the National Endowment of the Arts in the mid-40s. And he was tab dancing and he was just making all of these comments. And then when he would refer to the fact that he did in one occasion, vote for a federal program, which was Social Security, because he had this softness, I would say, for old folks, as he would say. He described the experience as something that hurt him so much that he was physically ill. And he said, and I quote, I left the floor and I vomited like a dog. And he just he, he just had this, this ability, like I said, this gift, and he knew how to use it and use it well. Talk about his support for the Table Rock Dam. Well, interestingly enough, his interest for flood control began actually in 1927 when he knew he was running 
for office. He spent a lot of time traveling and speaking to a lot of farmers and people that had been displaced or had been affected by flooding. And he saw a great need and he thought there would be a great opportunity for obviously for electricity, hydroelectricity. So he decided before he was even elected that that was going to be his issue or one of his issues. So he began this process and there was actually support once he got elected for this in Congress and it seemed like something that could happen but as with any other government funding involved it can take a while. So they actually didn't pass the Flood Control Act till 1941. And so Dewey had been elected two times now. He was elected and then he lost his second election on the wave of FDR and the Democrats. And so when he was reelected, the funding seemed like it was going to be there. Well, three and a half months after Congress approved that, Pearl Harbor happened. So that was put on the back burner because we needed the money and the materials for the war effort. And that didn't end because right after World War II, we went into Korea. So that was obviously a main concern. So it didn't actually get approved. Appropriations for the Table Rock Dam didn't actually get approved until 1954. So he began the process in 1927, like I said, and he fought for this for all those years. It took many years, and it took, like, I think it was $65 million in four years to complete, and they completed it in August of uh, 1958, and it... um, has had, as we know, a profound effect on Missouri and Missourians, especially in that part of the state. The Army Corps of Engineers, you know, who oversees the running of the dam, built a visitor center in 2012, and it's the Dewey J. Short Visitor Center, and they dedicated it to uh, him because obviously his influence and his fight was a while, and they appreciated that. With that being said, I think it's important to note that while this was a good thing and many people were on board with the Table Rock Dam, there was opposition, and that's one thing it was that we found in his papers while we were getting telegrams, like, keep up the fight all these years. We were also getting from the farmers who were forced off their land to build this opposition. Hey, we don't like this. So I think that's important to note that with every issue, there is a, you know, an opposition. So do we experience that? That has not changed in all of these years. People might know Dewey Short, as you mentioned there from the Visitor Center, if they're from Southwest Missouri, they might have heard the name, or, or certainly people who are, are old enough may remember him even as being a member of Congress. But for those people who may not be as familiar with him, what's something about Dewey Short that many people may not know about? I actually have a little fun one, and a little fun one that you can actually see online, because I found this little gem. He, Dewey liked to refer to himself as basically an educated hillbilly. And it was a joke, and it was a running joke, and people captured on that. And so in 1955, there was this, uh, ABC had this Ozark Jubilee program, and they invited him on, and he goes on, and they gave him this honorary hillbilly medallion. And you can see the video on YouTube, and it's black and white, and it's hilarious. It's like halfway, it's like four or five minutes, and it's him presenting this hillbilly and him basically describing that he is a hillbilly and deserves this medallion. So if you want to watch that, you can watch it, and I suggest you do. It's great. Now, in crafting this biography about Dewey Short and obviously in processing his papers, what's something that you want people to come away from uh, in looking at his papers and, of course, this historic Missourians biography. What's the legacy for students and for the general audience to consider? One thing that I would like people to walk away from, other than the things that he was known for, is he never hesitated to be completely honest 
about exactly how he felt and why. That's the one thing I can walk away from. Um, you can see the full span of his life and his work and why he did it and why he was, he's like, yes, I did vote no on all of this stuff. I did, and I'm proud of it. And, you know, this is why, and this is why I believe that this happened. And yes, I stuck with this table rock thing because I felt like it was important. And like I said, with like, you can look at the congressional record and people would make comments about, you know, his outside life which maybe wasn't moral and he would be like well yeah I'm not the most moral person I can't stand up here and tell you I have control over this problem or that because I'm just as bad as everybody else that's what I loved about Dewey whether you believe his whatever he thought was right or wrong he had this ability to at least make people listen and he was very much like yes like I said this is who I am and I I have no regrets so he was able to get things done and I guess it's for people to decide for themselves you know like I said if they they think it's right or wrong but all of it is there presented to them and you can walk away with your own thoughts on who he was and what kind of legislator he was and his impact on Missourians. Thank you for joining us Haley. Thank you very much I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Our Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast including past and future episodes information about guests and upcoming events please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri.